Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Start and end your day with the good news. The good news with Angie Austin. Find the podcast of past shows at AngieAustinRadio.com. Now, here's Angie Austin and friends with the good news. Hello, friend. It is Angie Austin. The good news is that we've got somebody joining us from my neck of the woods, Colorado, but actually uh, uh, have made acquaintance with him with through uh, one of my best friends in Los Angeles. You know, people think about Los Angeles as this cold city where, you know, people are self-absorbed, this, that, and the other. But some of my best friends in life, I actually made my 10 years that I worked at NBC in Los Angeles. So Trent Thompson's going to join us. Uh, my girlfriend, Tracy Savage, who is a reporter that I worked with at NBC for for years. It's her cousin who lives in Denver, and he needs a transplant, and he needs one soon, and he is young. He's 41 years old. But as is our common uh, trend here on the good news, we're going to start, before Trent joins us, with a story called Pass the Positivity. And producer Dave and the good news gals are here, Cindy, Monique, and Michelle. Uh, producer Dave, what's Pass the Positivity about? So, uh, this stood out to me. I found this story, and it's um, we do stories about people who are very, very selfless, and they donate organs. You know, uh, I remember um, Steve Ebling and Our his producer. wife came in, remember, and yes. his wife had donated her kidney. And, and we, Steve's worked with me on several shows, Steve's and when he said, I have a good news story, I said, what? He goes, well, my wife was in choir at church, and they she heard some guy she didn't know needed a kidney, and she walked up to me after church and said, I just feel led to get tested. And he's like, What? <laughs> What? Like, you know, the mom of his kids ends up, she was a match. And now she, and she gave the guy her kidney. But now it's like, they're like brother and sister. Right. Because over the past decade or thereabouts, they've stayed very close. And she saved his life. Right. And it's wow. amazing that how a, ki- cool. a kidney donation like that can save somebody's life and it can change somebody's whole thing. Well, and then this one stood out because it started this chain reaction where over a dozen people ended up getting what? kidneys because of this one selfless act from this one woman. And it started this whole chain it's reaction. Like a domino effect of kidney donations. Right, like, here's right. a kidney. So here's a like, kidney. You get a, gets a kidney. Everybody gets a <laughs> kidney. It blows away the whole every other kidney story. We've ever wow. Done. At the same time, I thought it was so cool. So I Let's wanted to share it. with you guys. All right. Until today, Kimberly Cooper and Brendan Flaherty were strangers, but now they share an unbreakable bond. What do you say to someone who's... It's it's hard to come together with citizens, you know, it's just thank you very much for giving me the freedom of being able to do, you know, live my life the way I want to live it, not tied up to a machine, you know, 10 hours a night. Kimberly's kidney now lives in Brendan's body, one of six kidney transplants performed last week at Northwestern Memorial Hospital. And each one of them can be traced back to Kimberly's act of generosity. And you're like, oh my God, really? Six people were saved just because I chose to be selfless for a day. And this was not necessarily meant to happen because, well, it's complicated. Brandon thought he'd get his friend Philip's kidney, but that didn't match. And he ended up with Kimberly's kidney. Philip went ahead and donated his kidney anyway and started a chain reaction. I've, you know, I've made a lot of selfish decisions in my life, and I thought that this would be a really great opportunity to kind of amend those 
decisions. It turned out Philip's kidney was a match for Clotilda Ruiz, whose daughter Daisy was rejected as her donor. But Daisy's kidney worked fine for Scott Ryle, and so it went until a dozen donors and recipients were matched. All of them met for the first time this afternoon. I'm going to have a lineage to somebody that's going to be able to, to live on, you know, and that's more than money and that's more than words. Proving once again that generosity truly is its own reward. Cool story, right? That is awesome. Very cool. So, you know, uh, Trent, who's joining us, uh, he actually needs someone uh, to help him out. And uh, CBS did a story on him. Did you see that, Dave? And, uh, yeah, I sent you the link. And, uh, oh. yeah, so CBS uh, did a story on him that we were going to play. Um, but why play the story when we've got Trent right here and he can uh, share the story with us. So Tracy, my girlfriend that I work with at NBC in Los Angeles, said, you know, my cousin's in your neck of the woods. And I know that uh, there's a, I saw on the news, too, that Governor Hickenlooper here in Colorado had a, ceremony, a ceremonial signing for a new law that could potentially save lives. And in that story was Trent Thompson, uh, my friend Tracy's cousin, and he's joining us right now. Hi, Trent. Hi, Angie. How are you doing? Doing quite well. Got the good news gals here, so they may chime in and ask you some Hi, questions Trent. as well. Hello. So you're just yes. 41 years old, and I know you were skiing with Tracy, my buddy, just last year, and then was surprised to hear that you were sick. And so kind of go back a little bit in your story, because there are a lot of elements here, besides the fact that you knew that eventually you'd need some help uh, physically and with uh, some type of donation. You need a, a live donor. Uh, but then all of a sudden you're in the headlines as well because of a letter you wrote and, uh, and Governor Hickenlooper signing something. So let's go back just a touch. Yeah, sure. Um, and, and the good news about needing a liver is that whoever does end up donating or if someone does end up donating, they, they get it back because it regenerates. Um, and so unlike a kidney, you actually grow your liver back after, after you give a portion to someone. Um, but, yeah, my story is, is it's, it, it started about 11 years ago. Um, I worked for, uh, worked for the U.S. government, but I worked for another uh, branch of the government, and I was heading to Afghanistan and um, had to get medical, you know, just medical tests to make sure I was healthy, and I, and I had some signs that there was something going on in the liver. Um, and it wasn't until a couple years after that that I was back from Afghanistan and, um, and uh, was diagnosed with what's called primary sclerosing cholangitis. And what that means is basically my, my liver is, is killing because uh, the, the, the hepatocytes are being killed by bile that's getting backed up in my biliary tubes. And, and while it has regenerated itself as well, it will race between, you know, death of death and regeneration. And so over time, it took about, um, about 11 years for it to happen. So I, so I knew it was coming. Uh, I just didn't know when, and no one really does know when. And it wasn't until this winter when um, I'm from Michigan originally, so I tell everyone I got, I got my University of Michigan colored eyes, blue and bilirubin yellow. So the oh, white wow. to my eyes are yellow. Yeah. And that's what happens when, you're, when your liver starts failing. And so um, that's – and, and I knew it was going to happen. I had always expected, okay, well, I'll just get on the transplant list, which, I'm, which I am on, um, and wait for a cadaver liver. Probably uh, – is because of the type of disease I have, I, I don't exist as much damage to the liver as people with other liver damage. And so it's, so there's a longer waiting period because I'm not as a priority as others are 
yet it's clear that I could, there are complications that could result, like um, I could get cancer while I'm waiting for a liver because of the type of disease I have. And so they really recommend people who have primary sclerosis and cholangitis, while they're still healthy enough, um, because you're not getting a full liver from someone, you're getting about half of their liver, that you, you think about and consider um, live liver transplantation. And I initially, I just wasn't going to do it because I didn't want to have to risk anyone else's life um, and, and complications that could, could result from that. Um, but after talking with my family and and loved ones realized that that was the option. That was that was something that I, I should consider. And luckily, being in Colorado, we have um, some of the best surgeons uh, that do live liver um, transplants in the nation. They've done mm-hmm. not just this year, but of all three out of every ten surgeries um, that have that involve live liver transplantation, they've done. So thirty wow. percent of all surgeries they have done. So. Um, and so that's, it's a matter of now, and, and I did write a letter. Um, I've gotten a lot of folks that have shown interest, but it really is, and, and unlike with kidneys, there are not, um, there's not a matching game where you can, you can give a kidney to someone that you're a match with and then they can give a kidney to someone they're a match with. Um, the, the, the liver transplantation program isn't that evolved yet, and so it's all about finding that correct match. Um, and it has to do with blood type. It has to do with the size of the person. It has to do with how their tubes and means hook up with their and if they're similar to mine. And so it's, a, it's really a numbers game as far as, um, you know, there could be 10 people that want to donate, but all 10 of them may not be um, a match. Um, and so it really is a numbers game. Um, and, and so we got to the point where CB, um, the governor uh, recognized and, and the you know, state legislature recognized that live organ transplantation is life-saving, obviously. Um, and so what they passed just last week was a bill that allowed um, live, live donors to take up to two weeks of paid leave to, for recuperation after the procedure. Um, they do it through tax incentives with, the, with their employer, but it's something that is the only real cost that donors have is their loss of time on the job because my insurance or the, the recipient's insurance will pay for all the medical procedures because it's actually cheaper to do a live liver don't transplant than to go through and wait for a cadaver liver. Um, and so the only cost to donors has, has been in the past their loss of time on the job while they're recuperating. Um, and so with this bill, which it doesn't, won't take place till 2020, but it is a great step forward because it allows, you know, people to have some of their salary recompensated if they decide to go forward with this uh, literally life-saving endeavor. So. All right, so talk about your letter. What, why is that getting so much attention? What, you want to read some of it to us? What it's about? Sure, I can I can read a little bit. Well, the, part of the reason is is I I, I rec, you know I'm 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 dealing with this and I want people to know that I'm dealing with it. Um, so I put a little humor involved in, into it. So um, I, I'll read the part about what how someone could qualify. So uh, I in the letter I talk about my I talk about my situation and what's happening and, and the disease I have, and then I say, but enough about me. Let's talk about you. Um, if you're younger than 55 years old, in the five foot six to six foot category, roughly 200 pounds, give or take 30, have type O positive or O negative blood, or if you've been thinking to yourself, I need to lose two to three pounds temporarily, or what's missing <laughs> in my life is a hockey stick shaped scar down my abdomen, or I need to take a three month sabbatical from my job, 
um, or I need proof that I'm not made up of puppy butt, sugar, and spice, or I've always wanted to visit Denver or an alternate city because I want to move to wherever the, the donor lives. Um, or if you were thinking, how cool would it be to lord over Trent and say, but I gave you my liver, um, <laughs> then please read on it. And so then I go on and talk about, but what I also do is very thorough, and, and I do research myself, and so I gave some really good, at least I thought it was, but I also encourage everyone to Google everything they can when they're thinking about this, but give some research on the potential complications that could resolve. Um, but also there was a recent 27, 2015 University of Minnesota study where they looked at donors who had given 107 of them and what, you know, complications had resulted from them, you know, and some of the side effects that had happened as a result. But they also, at the end of the day, said, knowing that you have to go, you now have these, um, you may have, you know, you may not be able to process fats as well. Um, knowing that these, some, some of these side effects um, from the procedure happen to you, would you be willing to donate again? And 97% of respondents said, of course, I would donate again. So three, two. One. So, Trent, what's the prognosis right now? You know, how do people reach you? Have they given you, like, a time limit where they'd like you to find someone within a certain amount of time? Uh, give us the lowdown. Yeah, sure. That's a, that's a great question. Um, the, the, the surgery that I'm that, – that with a live liver donation, um, they, I don't get a whole liver, so there is – they want me to have it done while I'm relatively healthy. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that means that within the next year is when they probably would have the procedure. Um, and so the, the way you would, you would, if you're interested, um, you'd start off by going to um, www.uchealthlivingdonor.org, O-R-G, um, and you fill out a questionnaire. It is a very simple questionnaire, and it's just kind of to start the process. Um, they will eventually want to do further tests, but throughout the process, in the way that they they work this, both because of HIPAA laws, but also because they want to make sure that the donor is going is is, is able to back out at any time they want to. So there's no pressure at all, and that's oh. that's really going to be the the norm. Um, it, in my mind, it's going to be abnormal if there's anyone that ever gets to the point where they are a match and they want to go through with it. And that's what I've been telling folks that have been interested that. Um, the expectation is that they're going to say, you know what, this is this just isn't for me. But but uh, but uh, but um, but if they do end up saying it's for them, that's that's where um, you know it would be unbelievable. Um, and so they would go through this questionnaire. They have the, they'll have their own surgeon, their own doctor, who would make sure that they're a match, make sure that their blood um, clots appropriately, make sure that the the liver itself. They actually send out images to Germany where they would look at the photos of my liver and their liver, and then make sure that all the tubes match up, basically. Um, and so that whole process can take a couple of months. Um, I know there are some folks that have shown interest, in, but what happens is I think that they explicitly ask them not to communicate with me once they, once they get to a stage where they could be a donor. And so um, I really don't know at that point how, what, what happens because I'm not in communication with them anymore. Um, but the first step is to go to that website and to uh, start that process. That UChealthLivingDonor.org? Correct. 
Okay, uchealthlivingdonor.org. Okay, so, uh, you know, I, I understand that that's interesting, that once they start going through the process of they're interested in possibly being a living donor, then that is all uh, done anonymously in a sense so that they don't feel pressured and that you know they're a match. That way, if they wanted to back out, no one would be pressuring them to continue along with the process so they can change their mind at any time. Yes, and they want to keep that as separate as possible between the donor and the recipient, and rightly so, because that's my also view is that they should have that ability anyway, any time throughout the process to say, you know what, I'm, I think this is, I'm, I'm going to change my mind because that's perfect. That's the normal thing to do. What I'm asking is to take a organ out of your body and put it in mine, and that that is to me just crazy talk. So. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Now, if you're just joining us, Trent Thompson is talking about um, the Living Donor Program there, uchealthlivingdonor.org. Trent's 41, and my good friend Tracy Savage, she and I worked in the news business in uh, Los Angeles together, and Trent is her cousin, and that's how I uh, became aware of his story. Uh, There was also a story recently on CBS here in the Denver metro area about Trent's journey. So what has this journey been like for you? I mean, this is a pretty deep thing for a 41-year-old guy to be looking, you know, to get a new liver at such a young age. Yeah, it it definitely has been, um, you know, throughout the the 11 years from the time when I came back uh, from serving overseas and and then to the point where I I am today, there hasn't been a whole lot of change in my lifestyle or in in things that I couldn't do. One of the things that did lead me to do is to take advantage of my life while I know I'm healthy or was relatively healthy. Um, so I made sure to move out to Colorado uh, earlier before the big wave of, of folks coming in now um, because that was someplace I had always wanted to live. So I moved, we moved from D.C. to Colorado in 2010. Um, but every year I go to, I, I see um, hepatologists at University of Colorado Health, but also at the Mayo Clinic in Rochester, Minnesota. Um, and I'm taking medications that, you know, you, you wouldn't want to take, um, um, some steroids to help suppress because I have autoimmune hepatitis, which is also related to this, to my primary cholangitis, primary sclerosing cholangitis. Um, but other than that, I've been able to be fairly active up until the last six months or so where... Now I'm a little more uh, lethargic. Um, I'm still trying to exercise to maintain uh, body mass, mm-hmm. um, but I've lost a lot of weight, um, and that's a good thing in some ways. I can, I can eat whatever I want, and I still lose weight, um, but it also means that I'm losing some muscle mass, and I want to make sure not to lose any more than necessary. Right, to be in uh, your best shape uh, you know, for the potential surgery. Mm-hmm. Correct. Again, if people are interested in looking into the program UC Health, uchealthlivingdonor.org, uchealthlivingdonor.org. Trent, 41, Trent Thompson, and uh, needing a liver. But again, as he mentioned, yours grows back. You give part of yours. And once you get onto that little questionnaire at uchealthlivingdonor.org, as he mentioned, it's anonymous in that he doesn't know you're on there. So if you did change your mind, you can. But you could start the process to see if you could potentially uh, be a match for Trent. Anything else you want to add, Trent? No, I just want to thank you for the opportunity to talk with you and just so you know, uh, Tracy's kind of a special cousin. We're the TLs. I'm Trent Landon Thompson, and she's Tracy Lee Savage. So, oh. um, so, so, I'm, so, thank you for the time. And and if there are other questions you have down the road, 
Um, and I would just encourage everyone to do research if they're really thinking about this. Make sure that they are going in with as much information as possible. And then Trent, keep in touch with us. Let us know how the journey's going. We can do an update in a couple of weeks too and uh, talk about this again. Uh, you can always go to my website, AngieAustinRadio.com, AngieAustinRadio.com if you want to get in touch with me or Trent for that matter. And it's UC Health livingdonor.org uchealthlivingdonor.org and Trent's story if you uh, search Trent's top, Trent Thompson uh, CBS here in Denver you'll find his story there as well thank you Trent thank you alright we'll break back with the good news Good news of Jesus for you in High Definition Radio and streaming at 670kltt.com. This is KLTT Commerce City, Denver. All right, Angie Austin here along with Adam. Adam is an ambassador with ARC, and when you shop at ARC, it helps the ambassadors. They help people in our community. Every dollar you spend helps, and everything you donate helps. ARC is a tremendous benefit to people with intellectual and developmental disabilities. Now, there's a Saturday sale. Most items half off. If I'm a senior, 55 and over, on Tuesdays, most items are half off. How do we find out about that? ARCthrift.org. How about if I want to donate? Where do I donate? 303-238-JANE. You call them and they'll pick up whatever you need. Furniture, small, big. Medium. Uh, yep, absolutely. A, a small, big, medium. Yes, they'll bring the truck right on over. What's yes, the number? 303-238-JANE. Yeah, they bring a truck right to your house. 303-238-JANE. Yes, 303-238-JANE. Does uh, ARC make you feel special? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I thought so. The ARC special. ARCthrift.org. As are you, babe. As are you. Thank you. Do you love working for ARC? I love ARC. Hi, it's Angie. Thanks so much for listening to the good news. If you like the good news program and you'd like to support us, we need to partner up with businesses to keep this show going. I'd really like to keep it on the air and I need advertisers in order to do that. And I'd love to partner with you and help you build your business or your website. Maybe you're a nonprofit and you'd like to do an interview and you'd like to donate to us so that we can help you get donations as well. AngieAustinRadio.com. AngieAustinRadio.com. Just click on contact me. I would would love to partner up with you. I think this is a great program. We've been on the air for about seven years now, and I think a lot of people have gotten a ray of sunshine and some faith and even a little fun from this program. So if you'd like to support us, please go to AngieAustinRadio.com. We would like to help you build your business or nonprofit as well. AngieAustinRadio.com and click on contact. I'd love to hear from you, and I'd love to help you build your business. Well, welcome back to our Memorial Day show. Memorial Day is a very special day. And this year on the National Ball in Washington, D.C., there is an exhibit of 645,000 poppies. And each one of those beautiful poppies represents a military member who has died in combat since World War One. And joining us to talk about this truly breathtaking exhibit is John Byrd, retired Vice Admiral of the U.S. Navy and currently Senior VP of Military Affairs for USAA. Welcome uh, to you, John Byrd. Well, thank you, Angie. It's a pleasure to be with you, and I feel privileged to be able to talk to you about Memorial Day. Well, this is our Memorial Day show, and we're trying to make it special, and you're part of that because you're at the exhibit on the National Mall right now. So tell us about it. It sounds like, like visually this would be pretty overwhelming. You know, Angie, I think it is. I'm certainly inspired. So we're located in a really prominent spot on the National Mall. We're right in the footsteps of the shadow of the Lincoln Memorial. 
We're next to the reflection pool and right next to the Korean War Memorial. So it's an ideal location and a good location to demonstrate what we've been talking about, the significance of Memorial Day. You know, people think, you know, barbecues and pools, et cetera, but we want to make sure they realize, uh, you know, what, what, what sacrifices are made in order us, for us to enjoy these Memorial Days. And when you say 645,000 poppies, that's a, that's a huge display of color, but it's also a huge representation of the loss that our country has withstood in order to enjoy the day-to-day privileges and liberties we have here. Well, you're exactly right, and, and I would tell you, Angie, the poppy came into vogue after World War One as that symbol of remembrance. If you look at the history of our country, starting back from our birth, the number is actually 1.3 million Americans. Now, we have in there the Civil War, but nonetheless, 1.3 million Americans have given their lives so that we might enjoy the freedom. Since World War One, the number has been 645,000. But as you sadly, no, as we sadly no, know, that continues no. today. All right. In terms of the response you're getting, what, what are people saying? Because to me, that, that is like the most, I don't know, moving or telling when people, you know, tell you how it makes them feel or what they feel when they see this display and the, and the number. I think the number, even for me reading it as a news person, was like, whoa, 645,000. Okay, so what are people saying? Well, I think we see the full range. You know, Angie, there are those that are well-attuned to what Memorial Day is all about. Maybe they're even amateur historians. They sort of get it. But then to your point, there are those that have forgotten what the real meaning of Memorial Day is about. So they're educated. And then, like you say, they are amazed that we've had that many Americans in uniform die since World War I. So I think the emotions of being inspired, being proud, And, of course, being a little bit sad that we've lost so many American lives to ensure the freedom. But, sadly, that's the nature of the world we live in. Sadly, that's true. Well, John, you know, I mentioned at the top of uh, the interview that you're a retired vice admiral of the U.S. Navy. Uh, My brother went to West Point Military Academy. I was actually nominated myself, but this life is a huge sacrifice. And um, it was something that, um, you know, my, my brother... Uh, you know, going to a military academy and then devoting your life to service, as many members of my family did, my father and a couple of my brothers, grandparents, et cetera. Uh, this is a life that um, you have to be very committed to. What drew you to this line of work, shall we say? Well, uh, thank you for asking, and I'm glad to hear of uh, uh, your brother being a West Point grad. Uh, I am a Navy junior. My father was a served in World War II in the Army. Then he joined the Navy and did a full career. Uh, So seeing my dad do it, like so many young people, that caused me to uh, decide and fortunate enough to go out to the Naval Academy. And then I enjoyed what I did. And the reason why I did, so many wonderful young men and women that I served with. So I would tell you, there is some sacrifice, probably more for my family. But in the end, it was an honor and a privilege. And I feel so fortunate and blessed to have been able to serve for 35 years. So, John, what do you uh, tell people when you mentioned young people, when young people who maybe haven't really been taught the significance of Memorial Day, since this has been your life's work, uh, what do you tell them when they say, well, Memorial Day is the start of summer, and what, what is it really about? What, what do you say? Well, I, I try and teach them in a, uh, the most uh, informative way 
and putting the right significance, a little about their country's history, and then about those men and women that allowed us to enjoy a great history and potentially a bright future. And I think once they know, to be fair, they embrace that. I think the, um, you know, sort of the, the call to the barbecue and the first day of summer, that's kind of natural, and I don't think anybody means anything wrong of it. Yeah. They just don't know. Mm-hmm. And once they reflect on it, that's great. But, you know, at the same time, those men and women died so that we could enjoy these wonderful days we have in the United States. You know, John, it's interesting you say that, that, you know, sometimes they just maybe don't think about it or know the significance. When I was a weather woman in Los Angeles, I had my five-day forecast up, and I had a, a ball bouncing on, you know, Memorial Day, like a, a beach ball. And I had a veteran right. write to me, and I, I've never thought of Memorial Day again. He wasn't critical. He just wanted me to know, like, hey, I know you have the beach ball bouncing around, but I just would I would appreciate you uh, giving the day a little more significance than the beach and, you know, the forecast, et cetera. And just that little bit, just like you talking to a young person, I've never forgotten that, and I never talk about Memorial Day without mentioning the significance of it, you know, besides the barbecue and the, you know, delicious ribs that my mother-in-law is making for today and all that jive, but I, I never forgot what he said to me. Well, you know, you make the point, and so maybe in the future some weather person will have a poppy <laughs> over Memorial Day and not a beach ball. All right, let's talk about people who don't have the luxury of being there in front of the 645,000 uh, poppies at the National Mall in Washington, D.C., like you do right now. How could they contribute or view it or find more uh, uh, out about it? Sure. Specifically, what they can do is go online to poppyinmemory.com, and we have a virtual poppy wall that they can see as well as dedicate a poppy to a fallen hero, either one that they know of or one they've read about in a history book or learned about. I've done that, and it's an easy but a meaningful uh, expression to kind of remember Memorial Day. And and beyond that, just have the discussion, just with family or friends, as you and I have been doing, reflect on the significance of Memorial Day, and I think our goal will have been accomplished. Now, John, um, in addition to uh, the exhibit at the National Mall, uh, in terms of today and just the state of our military and what these veterans go through, we hear a lot in the headlines about when they return, so they've served our country, they return. Is there anything that we should know or, you know, sometimes I'll walk up to veterans and nine times out of ten and thank them for their service, so do my kids, Uh, they're appreciative, you know, sometimes a little taken aback, especially if they have a very visual injury, let's say. Uh, and and maybe it takes that maybe they're a little bit taken aback by the public show of you know appreciation. What can we do to better support our veterans? We hear about too many veterans taking their lives and not having adequate support. There was just a veteran in the news recently saying that veterans could be utilized, for instance, in front of schools, maybe to protect our school children, which as a parent of three little kids, to me is a very intriguing idea. But with that aside, we hear a lot about veterans. What can we do to better make them feel appreciated, supported, taken care of when they come home? Yeah, I think you've hit on a lot of it. First and foremost, thank them for their service. Two, by and large, our veterans are absolutely wonderful people. Yeah. So if they are transitioning out of the military, you can recognize that. You can recognize their great characteristics and discipline, hire them into the workforce. I think for veterans that are in need, and that's a small percentage, and what I mean by significant need, there's over 40,000 different 
organizations out there dedicated to helping veterans and some very large and noteworthy ones from the American Legion to the VFW, just a full range. So if you want to help out veterans, thank them for their service, help them with their transition, and either get involved or contribute to one of those military-related charities. They're out there, and they do a great job helping our military and helping our veterans. Well, John, on this uh, Memorial Day, just want to say thank you for your service, John Bird, and thank you for the privilege of uh, having you on the show. What a wonderful interview. Thank you, Angie, and thank you for allowing me and along with you to highlight the significance of this great holiday. Thanks, John. Okay, take care. Hi, it's Angie. Welcome back. Well, U.S. Army veteran Denise Rowan made history on August 24th of 2017 when she became the first woman to be elected to the top position of the nation's largest veterans organization during the American Legion's 99th National Convention. And her theme for this year is Family First. And joining us to talk about that theme and more is Commander Rowan. Welcome, Commander. Hello, Angie. How are you doing today? I am doing quite well. Well, quite an honor, you know, to be, uh, you know, elected as the first woman to a position like this. I mean, you must have been quite happy about that. I, I am thrilled to be the first female, but, you know, male or female, to be the national commander of the largest veteran service organization in the nation. What an opportunity. What what an honor. What an honor is uh, indeed. So let's talk about this Family First agenda. What's it all about? Well, the Family First agenda comes from the fact that I believe that we were put on earth to take care of one another and to make sure that, that people feel like they have a, a great quality of life. And when you look at the American Legion family, which involves the American Legion, our American Legion Auxiliary, our Sons of the American Legion, and our American Legion Riders, and all of the work that we do to support our communities and our veterans and our military personnel, that's just it. It's about putting our families first. When you go into the military at basic training, you kind of get new brothers and sisters who take, we take care of one another and we help us each other through that process of getting through basic training and, and all of our military training. And during our military service, we, we depend on each other just like a family does. And, and then when it came time to take our uniforms off, it was like, wait a minute, we're not done taking care of this country. We need to continue to serve. And that's where we find the American Legion family. And then it's just about giving back, making sure our veterans are taken care of, our military personnel are taken care of, their families are taken care of, and then getting into the school systems and teaching our kids about what it means to be an American and live in such a great country and all of the sacrifices that were made to give them the nation that they currently live in. It's just, it really is. It's all about the American Legion family, taking care of our nation's families. I love that. All right, Memorial Day coming up. Where will you be as the national commander? Will you be visiting Europe, I understand? I, I will be visiting Europe. See, in the fall, I went over uh, to the on the other side of the coast. I went. I was in South Korea, Okinawa, and the Philippines. So this wow. coming for Memorial Day, I will be over in Europe visiting our military troops over there as well as their families. And we have several American Legion family members who live over there. There are American Legion posts. Uh, we were actually founded in Paris, France, almost 100 years ago. Uh, so I'll get to visit uh, those locations as well as a lot of the United States cemeteries that are over there. Uh, and I get to lay a few wreaths, um, especially one in Normandy, and I get to hear mm-hmm. a little bit of the story. Now, I, I had the opportunity to um, go to a liberation museum a few years back in Nijmegen and talk talk to the the tour guides were children at the time 
when the American soldiers came in and liberated their city, to to hear their stories about how much they appreciate the Americans and, wow. and what we did for them, it just makes you so proud to be an American. Oh, so proud. I love that. Thanks for sharing that. Well, let's talk a little bit about the American Legion and why it's needed and uh, why you have such a heart for the Family First Agenda and veterans and the pride, uh, you know, that you want us all to feel about being an American. Well, there, I could talk for a really long time about the Legion and everything we do. So I'm going to plug our website, which is legion.org, and you can get all kinds of information there. But we were really founded on those four pillars, taking care of veterans. And in taking care of veterans, we want to make sure that they have a great health care system. And we believe the VA hospitals are a system we're saving. And there's some work that needs to be done. We understand that. Um, but we want to make sure that veterans get their health care, they get the benefits they deserve and what they fought for. Um, and then watching about veteran suicide rates, we'd like to eliminate all of that, make sure that veterans understand yes. they have a place to go, they have people they can talk to through the American Legion family because we've been through it. A lot of us have shared some of those same experiences and frustrations, and, and we just want to make sure that people know that people care about them. Our veterans know that they care. we care about them and that their families know how much we care about them. Um, just taking care of one another, um, having a strong support system within the, the Legion family, veterans families across the country. Um, it's, it's, that's what it's all about. Like I said, taking well, care of one another. Well, Commander, thank you so much for your time. And, you know, someone from a, a military family and uh, lost my brother after he left the Marines. But there were some definite tie-ins to, you know, what happened to him in the military to all of uh, that, that. And I just can't thank you enough because um, mm-hmm. the mental health aspect as well that people can't see. They don't know someone's injured when they just look at them. They have no idea what may have happened on the inside to their brain, etc. And so I just can't thank you enough for all you're doing for veterans. And I love the Family First agenda. And again, the website, uh, it's legion.org, legion.org. Thank you so much, Commander. You bet. Thanks, Angie. Thanks for listening to The Good News with Angie Austin. Find the podcast of past shows at angieaustinradio.com. to any of the YMCA of the Rockies locations to fill your days and nights with our exciting and educational programs and activities. At the YMCA of the Rockies, we put Christian principles into practice with our fun and informative programs. And our facilities are located in stunning environments that help build healthy minds, bodies, and spirits for all. At the YMCA of the Rockies, we love to provide real bonding experiences for families of all sizes. We also provide conferences of a religious, educational, or recreational nature. And we specialize in offering traditional summer camping experiences for boys and girls. At the YMCA of the Rockies, every season brings affordable fun and excitement for the entire family. YMCA of the Rockies has locations near Winter Park, Rocky Mountain National Park, and Grand Lake. Go to ymcaoftherockies.org. Whether you are looking for adventure, a better way to connect with your family, or just a relaxing stroll, we can set you on your way. That's ymcaoftherockies.org. Angie Austin here. You know, if you've listened to me for a while, you've heard me talk about my favorite vacation spot for our family, where we've literally been going for years and years, and that is YMCA of the Rockies. And joining us is Kellen Toulouse. She is the brand manager there at YMCA of the Rockies. And the Estes Park location has a new mountain center, so I'm dying to know about this. Welcome, Kellen. 
Hi, Angie. How are you doing? I am doing well. You and I have known each other. We met about 15 years ago, and you know. Yes, I I, know. (laughs) I'm your biggest fan. You know that the Y is like a passion for me. Yes. Oh, it's so exciting. We're we're so happy to have you as a fan. Well, let's talk about uh, what this mountain center is. We just had our family reunion up there last year, and we're planning the next one for probably about a year away because you have to put some time into it when you're planning a big event like 45 family members. So, what's this mountain center going to add? What's it What's it going to do? Yeah. Well, the the Boone Family Mountain Center is our newest addition to the Estes Park Center here at the YMCA, the Rockies. Um, And it's going to be our base camp for our nature and environmental and our high adventure activities. So in addition to uh, housing a hands-on educational nature center, it has a two-story climbing wall, indoor climbing wall that will be open year-round. And it's also going to serve as our staging area for guided hikes, fly fishing trips, uh, mountain bike rental, archery, and zip line. So that's going to take over a lot of the stuff that was like right there next to uh, the cafeteria, uh, the building over um, near the pool where you guys staged everything before. Yeah, our Sweet Memorial Program building will continue to uh, house family activities. So a lot of our family programs and activities for the toddlers and younger kids will be operated out of that building. All right, now talk about prices because I think you guys are the best value in the United States of America because oftentimes we'll get a lodge room for under 100 bucks, and then you get two free breakfasts. And then what people don't understand is the majority of the activities are included in the price. So we like to go watch Mountain Man, and he reenacts what it's like to be what it was like to be a mountain man back in the day in the Rocky Mountains. And we uh, go swimming and roller skating, ice skating, depending on the season. There are all kinds of classes and survival classes. And uh, orienteering classes and things that you can do with your kids, like um, dodgeball, et cetera. And all of that, those activities are all included. There's a small fee for uh, the crafts and uh, the zip lining and the rock climbing and the archery. But in general, you can go there and just pay the price of your lodge room and your food, of course. And you can have a whole weekend with all the activities for under 100 bucks, not including your food. Correct. Yes, many of our programs and activities are free. Um, including our guide, our whole guided hike, hiking program that is going to be based out of the Mountain Center. All of those guided hikes with our expertly trained hike masters that they take you into Rocky Mountain National Park and other trails in the Estes Park area. All those guided hikes are, are offered free to families. And we've done various, uh, you know, uh, hikes. Generally, we do the ones that, you know, kids can do. And they're very educational. And we've even done just the little walks around the Y where they tell us about the history of the Y and the different buildings and some of the animals. We've done the... um, uh, the beaver-like walk where you go and sit and look at the beavers. We've gone up to Bible yeah. Point. And then we did one where we went to a lake nearby. And we had an older, like definitely in his 70s hiking guide. And I'm like, oh, I'm sure I could keep up with yes. this guy. No, he blew right. me away. <laughs> yeah, they're pretty amazing. Our hike masters are um, of all ages and abilities and range. And um, <laughs> they're really great to get out with. You learn a lot from them for sure. You do, and I I loved his passion for life, just hiking with someone who was definitely a senior, who was so fit, and who loved it so much. It was just a joy for our whole family, and the cool thing is, is he kind of made another route for my mom that was a safe route where we could see her, and she stayed down below by the route and walked a mile around the lake while the rest of us did like a four-mile more strenuous hike and then kind of circled back around for her, so it was neat that he was able to kind of, um, you know, figure out something for her as well in that case. I want to 
to make sure people know where to go and to find the specials and all the deals and to sign up because if you want cabins in the summer, you really have to, you know, be on top of it when that opens up. And then you also, um, you know, want to go on and look at their lodge rooms because there's some really nice lodge rooms that can um, house the whole family because that's generally where we stay and it's very economical. So where do they go, Kellen? Yeah, you can find all of our information, specials, deals, and you can check out some uh, photos of our cabins and lodge rooms at our website, and that is ymcarockies.org. ymcarockies.org. Well, thank you, Kellen. I think a lot of the young people, like you were when I met you, just a young intern, a lot of the young people um, up there really add to the experience as well because so many kids come up there to work when they finish high school. Thank you, Kellen. Thank you. Thanks for listening to The Good News with Angie Austin. Find the podcast of past shows at AngieAustinRadio.com. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.